It's episode 100 of the Keto for Women show. You're listening to the Keto for Women show. This podcast provides the tools you need to create your own expression of a healthy ketogenic lifestyle so you can stop obsessing and start living. I'm your host and nutritionist, Sean Miner. Now let's get on with the show. Before we get any further into this episode, I want to tell you a little bit about our newest Keto for Women sponsor, Chomps. I am so obsessed with Chomps right now. They have been absolutely saving our lives over these past few months when we haven't had a kitchen to cook in. Good quality protein is by far the hardest thing to eat conveniently without a kitchen or if you're on the go at the office. It's just hard to find something to take along with you except now Chomps is taking care of all of that for us. Chomps are high quality meat snack sticks without any added junk. They are 100% grass fed and grass finished, nitrate free, non-GMO certified, Whole30 approved, and super delicious. The hardest part I have found with finding meat snacks is the added sugar that most companies put in these snacks, but not with Chomps. Most flavors have no sugar at all and between zero and one gram of carbs. The perfect on-the-go snack for us Keto for Womeners or sometimes as dinner if you're like me and have no kitchen. I also keep several stashed at my desk at all times just in case I get hungry. It's the perfect little pick-me-up in the middle of the day. Chomps has lots of different flavors and even come in turkey and venison varieties if you want a little something special. This is the only venison meat snack that I like. I actually love the Chomps venison, although my favorite is one of their new flavors they just added, the Italian style beef and sea salt beef. The Italian is my absolute favorite. It tastes like pepperoni and really hits the spot. They also have the cranberry beef, which is a close second favorite of mine. You've got to try them all. Right now, Chomps is giving listeners of the Keto for Women show a super special deal. When you use the code KETO, the number four women, over on their website, chomps.com, you'll get 20% off site-wide plus free shipping. That is an incredible deal that they do not give just anybody. So you're going to want to take advantage of being a Keto for Women listener over on chomps.com. Now's the time to stock up on all of your favorite chomps. If you're new to chomps and not sure which ones are your favorites yet, I'd recommend getting the eight pack. It is one of every single flavor they have. So you can try them all and you'll know which one your favorite is. How fun is that? Remember, use the code KETO, the number four women at chomps.com to get 20% off your order plus free shipping. Chomps.com coupon code KETO for women. Hey, hey, friends. Welcome back. Thanks, as always, for joining me on this episode of Keto for Women. And it's an extra special episode for so many reasons. First of all, it's episode 100, which is pretty cool, I have to say. Second of all, it's my first episode back from five weeks of not talking to you guys, not recording episodes. And I have to say, I really, really missed you all. And I'm really pumped to be back talking with you today. And third of all, we're doing something a little different just for fun, just to celebrate this 100th episode. It's a milestone, Kristen, don't you think? 
100. It's a nice even number. Yeah. And I mean, some podcasts don't make it to episode 100. That's true. With listeners still intact. Triple digits. So let's celebrate that. We're going to just kind of have a little fun with today's episode. Bring us back from our little vacation from the mic. And we probably have some cobwebs to dust off. So we may need to just have this 100th episode as a fun little lighthearted thing. Don't you think? I like the idea of that. Yeah, so I asked over on Instagram for all of your questions. Actually, I asked twice because I wanted to do this Ask Us Anything episode to get to know us better as people. And then you guys came with like these really awesome, amazing, like nutrition, keto, health related questions, which are great and we love. And that's the whole point of this show. But it wasn't exactly what I had envisioned for this 100th episode. So I had to re-ask for some different questions, some things you guys want to know either about us or just our opinions on things, what we're up to, just to make it a little bit more fun. Just for this episode, don't worry. Our Keto Hot Seat episodes will still be the same coming up in the future. But one of the things that we really want to try to do with the Hot Seat episodes is to make them all about one specific topic so that if you really need to know info about that topic, you can tune in. If you have no interest in it, just skip it for the week. We don't care. But it makes it way more organized for you all as the listener to have those listener questions be all on one particular topic and just varying degrees of that topic. So that's what we'll be doing in these next 100 episodes now of the Keto for Women show. I know I told you all that I wanted to take the five weeks off just to, first of all, get my life in order, which it's still not in order. I'll have to tell you that. We actually have construction people in our kitchen as we speak right now. It's now been two and a half months of reconstruction from the flood that happened in the kitchen while I was away in Hawaii. So yeah, that was back in February. It's now May, and we still have it going on almost every day. And that has definitely derailed some things. It just makes it really hard to live life and be organized and have this amazing business when you have to deal with construction workers all day. But that's a whole nother topic that we won't get into any further here on Keto for Women. But I also wanted to take the time off to just kind of assess where I want the Keto for Women show to go in the future and what I see you all wanting to get from this show. Because let's be honest, in 100 episodes, that means it's been almost two years. As of June, it will be two years that the Keto for Women show has been on air A lot has changed. A lot has changed for me. A lot has changed for you. A lot has changed for keto. And we just really need to stay up on it. And actually, I was thinking about this yesterday when I was kind of planning what I wanted to say. Do tell. And one of the things... Oh, you're still there. (laughs) I'm still here. I know. I'm once again taking over the intro of this show. I really think that if you are following someone that is an expert in something, especially as it relates to nutrition and health, if they're not changing all the time, you may want to reevaluate what they're actually teaching and if you actually still agree with that. Because nutrition, especially health, especially, we're learning so much as we go through this whole journey. All of us are, even the most experty of the experts. It's a baby science. Yes. And so we 
are ever evolving, ever changing. And if a true practitioner and a true expert will evolve and change along with that. So it being two years and me being someone that is always looking to make the best moves for my body and the best moves for my health, and then relay that information onto the rest of the world, it's just changing. So that all being said, it does not mean that really all that much is going to change for the Keto for Women show, except that we will kind of be doing more talking about beyond keto. Like maybe you are the person that tried keto and just didn't really like it. So you're not keto anymore. But what else can you learn as a woman that's going to be important to your health moving forward? Or maybe you're keto and you found your spot, you're loving every minute of it, you feel really good about your diet, but there's still some things lingering that you want to start learning more about with your health or your body or whatever journey you're on. And then there will be lots of information still about keto because that was something that healed me. It's something that healed a lot of you. And there are people out there who are still trying to figure it out. And that's a really important piece to this whole puzzle too, to get to this place where you can move beyond keto. You've got to figure it out for yourself. So I do still want to sprinkle some of that in, even just as a reminder for some of you that may be now in this beyond aspect. But I think we can all agree that regardless, we know by now it's much more than diet. This is a lifestyle. This diet change that we're making is one fraction of what we need to explore in order to be these truly healthy and happy women, which yesterday I randomly start was writing something and coined it high level health. Like now we're in this place where we, we want high level health. We want more than just like being on this planet, we want to actually feel really good while we're here. So that's what we will be exploring over these coming episodes of Keto for Women. Kristen, what have you been up to the past five weeks? Well, business as usual, just trying to get caught up and hoping the weather will shift into nice, warm springtime. I know that you thought that you were going to have a break by taking these five weeks off of the podcast, but we have been working hard, hard, hard on the behind the scenes aspect of the business. Well, somehow we made space and then immediately filled it with even more stuff. So as it usually happens, but it really was a great time. And if you follow along with some of the other things that I do, then you may have noticed I've been doing more blog posts, uh, been writing recipes and just things that I honestly love to do, but it is really hard to do so when you have a podcast. This is kind of my outlet for creativity and content, this podcast. And I kind of forgot about the blog, to be honest. So I was able to get back to doing that. And, you know, Kristen's been behind the scenes making sure everything looks beautiful and is very user friendly for all of you. And we're actually adding on something special to the next Fat Burning Female project that starts in July. I won't tell you anything more. It's a secret (laughs) for now, right? Rude. I know. I always do that. It's not ready. It's not ready. It's not ready. Bottom line for everyone listening is, Look out for more resources, more content, probably better targeted content so that you can find specifically what you're looking for easier. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of one of the biggest things that I noticed going back to this place where we're at now, which is kind of this beyond keto or more than keto, which is now a lot of us have been doing keto for a while and 
the resources available to us aren't what we need anymore. So that's where I'm really focusing now and I'm super excited about it. All right, all right, all right. I know, let's, enough Let's chatting. get to the meat. Let's go. Yeah, so like I said, we're going to just lighten up a little bit this episode. I asked on my Instagram stories only, actually, for these ask us literally anything questions, anything you think would be fun to share. So that's what we're going to do today. All right, let's get into these questions. First one, you want to read it? Sure thing. I'm actually going to start with my personal favorite that oh. was submitted. So we're sorry to up. might throw you for a loop. Hopefully you prepared in advance. I did. But Danielle asks, what was your favorite cereal growing up or top three? Yeah, actually, when I read this, I A, got super excited. So thanks, Danielle. <laughs> and B, was like, man, I am going to have a hard time with this question and also kind of want to talk about it a lot <laughs> because it changed over the years. But I will say the one that pops to mind as my ultimate favorite was Cinnamon Toast Crunch, as long as you could eat it fast enough because it got really soggy really quickly and then all the cinnamon and sugar was gone. Yeah, but it made the milk taste so great. But then it was delicious milk. That's true. But yeah, I was a fast eater and still am a fast eater, so I had no problems. But on the occasion I got interrupted, I would then have soggy Cinnamon Toast Crunch and that was no bueno. See, all three of the ones I could think of are like that. They, mm. they get soggy fast. What's so, your favorite? Well, I had to break it up into stages of childhood. So early childhood, I'm with you, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And then middle childhood, it was Cinnamon Life. Do you remember that oh, stuff? Oh, wow. Interesting. Now, that is the best to eat dry. Mm -hmm. So good dry, but also good in milk too. And then like later childhood, early adolescence, it was Frosted Mini Wheats. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I had that quite a bit. Have you ever heard of O's? I don't think they were very readily available. It might have even just been like a Midwest thing. But did they have like weird granola things yeah, in granola the middle? Oh, middle yeah. Very honey like. Yes. I loved those. Those I, we were didn't my get second those. favorite. Yeah. And then that was a very occasional thing, but they were surprisingly like really cheap, but you couldn't find them everywhere. They were kind of sporadic and not always available. So it was a special occasion when we got those. Yeah. But what I really wanted to talk about is when I started being healthy in air quotes, and then I started having like Kashi, Goline, Crunch, Special K, and Special K, and that would be my every single day, multiple times a day, because I was also counting calories. And you could get a pretty decent amount of cereal, especially if it was Kashi, Goline. You could get a really good amount for not very many calories, for like 200 calories and be full. It was like one cup. It was like 120 calories. Yeah. And I was really excited to eat that multiple times a day. It tasted terrible. The crunch was good. The goline when I was trying to be extra cardboard. Good. It tastes like cardboard. <laughs> so bad. What the heck? I will say cereal and bagels are probably the two things that I miss about this way of eating that I now have. I definitely always am on the search for a good cereal granolas you know there's a lot of grain-free granolas that i think are okay as like a, a treat i would say still have some sugar and stuff in them but i just want that cereal it's just something about it it's so easy and convenient but it's also delicious mm. crunchy mm. Mm -hmm. all the good stuff yeah i mean it was fun to take a trip down memory lane but i can't say i miss it to be honest and it's like repulsed by thinking back like how much sugar i ate as a kid before 7 a.m 
You know, it was like yeah. cereal and I would dunk toast in my cereal and skim then drink milk. juice. We were a 2% family. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, I didn't do skim milk until college. Gotcha. That's when you really had to worried go about my free. Worried about my figure. <laughs> but yes. Well, shall we move on? Yes. It's enough cereal talk, I think, for one day. Kristen, I would like to know Ooh. what your bad habits or guilty pleasures are. Ooh, that's rough. Hmm. I would say... Okay, so I definitely stare at my computer or my phone way too late into the night, which we all know it's terrible. The studies show it's bad. And for some reason, I cannot put that phone down. Do you at least wear blue blocker glasses? Mm, eh. (laughs) I own some. Right. They don't do a whole lot of good on your (laughs) bedside table. Maybe another bad habit is I don't use them. I was a big gum chewer Mm. and I really miss it. And Mm -hmm. I, I think I'm like two weeks sober right now yeah yeah so you made the switch so that's Mm -hmm. good and she doesn't even want to try any of the better less uh, what is it chemicals and plastic the the all natural you don't don't, want to go there they don't work they're they're gross and it's just a crutch i feel like it's it's just the same habit right well i'm proud of you for breaking that habit yeah being done with it what about guilty pleasure things Um, you're just like ooh, i need this well, I love sneakers. I have a ton of shoes mm-hmm. and I just love sneakers. I will buy tons of them even if I don't need them, but they make me happy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the deal with guilty pleasures and I've stopped calling them guilty pleasures because why feel guilt if you're doing something that's making you so happy? It's True. like self-care. Yeah. I don't honestly feel guilty about any of this. I definitely listen to my music way too loud in the car and I just can never get enough of Carly Rae Jepsen. Mm. She's good, you know, coming to Denver soon. Anything that is like 80s inspired pop magic is like, I just love it. Yeah, I am kind of embarrassed, though, like if I'm at a stoplight and I have it on really loud with my windows down, I do feel like I might be getting judged a little bit, Mm. but that's okay. Well, that's all right. I mean, she's good. It's okay. It's okay. What about you? Well, my guilty pleasure that I do not feel any guilt about and in fact, love every second of wait let me guess can i guess yes well is it food related well a lot of them are food related oh okay but i have one that's not is this the one that's not yes oh i don't know real housewives oh i knew that you knew that i'm all about the real housewives i've watched every season of the beverly hills and orange county episodes those are the only two groups of women that i have connected with i guess we'll say and by connected with it's really not at all connecting because i know i'm not like them whatsoever but connected with their stories and just really gotten involved in their lives it's weird so yeah i always have real housewives episode on tap it's usually either a saturday or sunday morning ritual with my coffee and if it's cold we'll snuggle up with a little blanket and watch some real housewives I love it. And I know a lot of you out there do too. And we don't feel bad. We know it's great. The Everything else is food related. Chocolate. Chocolate. Duh. I don't really know that it's a guilty pleasure because again, I don't feel guilty. I do feel pleasure, but it's more so also, I think, habit. I think I have a little bit of a habit. I'm trying to break. I actually went chocolate free for over a month just recently and just started adding some chocolate back in. I do that not because I feel bad about eating chocolate or I think it's too much of a treat or anything like that, but because I notice that I start to just randomly eat it when I don't actually want it. It's there. I know it's good. I like the taste of it. So I just reached for it. It's easy. 
a lot of fat, that kind of stuff. So I want to make sure that I always stay on top of my chocolate consumption and that I actually truly want it and it sounds good and it's a good time for it. So my habits, when I'm stressed, I bite my nails, I bite the side of my cheek. I don't want to do it, but I do. And it's only when I'm stressed. That's how you know how stressed I am is how bad my nails look. Just look at your fingers. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Mm. All Um, right, let's move on. Okay. Swiss Keto Girl asks, any recommendations on how to start a mindset journey or shift? Yeah, this is a good one. I will kind of let you all in on a little bit of a secret. And one of the main reasons why I wanted to take the five weeks off is because I needed time to work on a new portion of my business, which is going to be the mindset focused portion where we actually look at this mindset journey, make the shift together in a group and all that stuff. So I really got a lot done with that. Unfortunately, has to take a back seat for just a little bit, but hoping to get that all out to you soon. In the meantime, I really love this question. And what I want to say is with mindset shifts, you got to take it slow and you've got to take it gently and just really start at the very beginning. So I have a ton of recommendations. Most of them are going to go right over your head until you take this step-by-step approach and start from the very beginning. So the very first step is what I'll share with, with you, which is a pretty simple one, but it's far from easy. And that is acknowledgement. You've got to just start acknowledging the thoughts that you are having, these negative, hateful, pessimistic, being mean to yourself or your body, judging yourself or others. Anything that's coming across from this negative place, just start to notice them. That's the very first step. You will catch yourself in this spot a lot of being really negative. You may be saying it, You may just be thinking it. It may come up when you look at yourself in the mirror or you head to the gym and you don't feel like you're doing a good enough job. You're at work and you don't want to be there. I mean, it is actually astonishing how negative we are in our heads, like how many of our thoughts come from this low vibe place. The very first step, just be there with it. Just acknowledge that it's there. From there, once you spend a few days just noticing, then try to either ignore it so you notice it and you push it aside. You don't give it any weight whatsoever. You just are like, oh, I just thought that. Now I'm going to move on and think about something else entirely different. Ignore the thought. So you're not putting any other weight into it. And then once you've done that, maybe a few days, few weeks until you feel comfortable with that, then you start working to reframe it. So say you look at yourself in the mirror and you want to say, oh, my thighs look so big in this skirt. And that's the first thing that comes up. Again, not giving it any weight, ignoring it, and now finding something else. Like my legs are so strong, they got me through my three-mile run yesterday. You're really taking what was negative and replacing it with something positive. It's amazing how hard that is, but how much of a shift can happen just with this acknowledgement, ignoring, reframing concept. Yeah, I think it's really important to start out knowing your bigger why. So like Sean said, that, you know, mindset shift takes tremendous diligence and consistency and self-awareness. And that's all it takes a lot of energy. So if you come into it 
with your bigger why, meaning like, why are you taking the time to do this, defining what you hope to gain from this shift and why it's worth doing it, having that to guide you will keep you in the game. Because really what you're doing is you're making new habits and letting go of old ones. And that's really hard work. So if you don't have this bigger why to help you stay motivated, you know, you might peter out after a little while, which would be pretty typical. So that would be my my big tip there. I think with any kind of mindset journey, getting started is the first step. And then a lot of times it flows after that. So you'll find that you stumble upon books or people randomly recommend things to you. And it is exactly what you needed to hear or read at that given time. And if you find something that doesn't quite resonate with you now, it might be because you're not ready for it. So stash it aside on a shelf and return to it later. And it might make total sense to you in a couple months or a year. But just, yeah, just keep a curious mindset with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And just, it's a practice. It's 100% all the time going to be a practice that you're never going to perfect. It's about the journey. So just let it be a journey that you're always keeping in mind. All right. You want to move on? Yep. Cool. All right. Danielle asked, what should a new NTP focus on in terms of business priorities, building a list, Instagram, etc.? And similarly, Ashley asked top tips for a brand new NTP. And someone else asked, do you have any tips for someone interested in starting a nutrition business? Lots of business questions, which were great. We actually discussed perhaps doing a special episode of the Keto for Women show that is solely business related. It will be in addition to these Friday episodes. We may do that. So if you're interested, let us know because Kristen's got about 300 episodes worth of information to share in that brain of hers. And we can't do it all here. But anyway, we do have some tips for beginners. My biggest advice for people just starting out is to just do something. Just get started. Do not be paralyzed by your fear of putting yourself out there. You always have to remember that your, again, we'll go back to this bigger why, your bigger why for why you got into nutrition, why you want to become a nutritionist, and what you want to teach people about has to be bigger than your fear. So you need to want that bigger why more than your fear of putting yourself out there, starting a business. And I know it's super hard. So my first thing is to just do something, whether that's write a blog post, send a newsletter to the five people on your email list, go out into your community and start talking to other businesses, other practitioners, grocery stores, just get out there and let people know what you do. Even just people you work out with at the gym or you go to your massage therapist, let her know what you're doing now. Just Put it out there into the world, into the community, and into the universe of what you are building and what you want to do. So you're talking about it a lot. From there, the second thing is you have to get emails. That will always be your best source of communicating what you have to offer and what you want to share with your people. We all know that Instagram and Facebook, the algorithms are terrible. Most of you aren't even seeing what I'm posting these days, which is fine. And who knows, at any moment, they could be gone. They could just disappear. The whole businesses could just go poof. I don't think that will happen, but it could. But what won't is your ability to communicate with those people that have given you their email. So definitely work 
Again, it's going to be small to start and that's okay. You may have five, 10, 15, 30 emails, but those are people that want to hear from you. They've given you their email. That's kind of a form of currency at this stage in the game. Our emails are very precious to us. They've given that to you and they want to hear from you. So don't be afraid to send out emails just giving a quick tip, some free information and letting them know what you offer. Yeah, I'd say focus first on what you love to do and take the time again to define your vision and envision the lifestyle that you want and then figure out how to support that. So I think, you know, with you, Sean, you took the route of working one-on-one with people at first, but there are so many different forms of business that you can have as a nutritionist. You don't even have to work for yourself. You could work for another practitioner or have a group practice or, I mean, there's so many, so many ways to make a living doing this. And I think there are ways that we don't even, that are just now emerging too. Mm -hmm. So I think first and foremost, step back and decide, you know, if you're If you are an introvert and you don't necessarily enjoy working one-on-one with people eight hours a day, five days a week, and that really drains you, then, you know, maybe take a different approach, start to think outside the box. How could you help people in a way that actually supports you, your personality, your skill set, and the lifestyle that you want to lead? So... Yeah, that's really important because they're really you don't have to be a traditional nutritionist working in front of a client day after day. There's so many different paths you can take. So really important to kind of get a feel for that and get a feel for what you love to talk about. And that will kind of help guide the people that come into your life that want help from you is what do you love talking about? What has helped you in the past? What are your passions? You don't necessarily have to have a niche right at the very beginning, but you will find that there are certain things that you are like, oh, I really could talk about this for eight hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. I would say just be really aware of that and Mm -hmm. take note when those feelings come up. Look at that. Yeah. All right. We had one more question quickly about the Nutritional Therapy Association certification that we have done, which is where do you recommend getting your NTP certification? I just wanted to go over this quickly to let people know that if you're an NTP, you went to the Nutritional Therapy Association to get that certification. You can go to nutritionaltherapy.com and look at all of the information there. They have the option to be a practitioner, which is what the P is of NTP, or you can be a nutritional therapy consultant. So they have different options. They have tons of different places that you can get your certification. Most of it is online, but as a practitioner, you will be required to go to three workshop weekends in varying places. I went to Austin. There's one in Denver now. There's California, all over. There's everywhere. Yeah, they select certain cities for each term. Yeah, and they hold the NTP certification in September, starts in September or starts in May. And there it's a nine-month course. So the May one has already started, I believe, but you can sign up for September if you want. Yeah, starting May 21st. And let them know I sent you. <laughs> Always good to let them know who referred you. Mm-hmm. All right. I like this question coming up next from Melanie. How do you deal with the haters? Those that say, come on, just eat a donut or one meal won't kill you. It seems to be especially hard with coworkers. It, what is it about coworkers? Oh, man. It's so true. 
I feel like that the coworkers and family. Yeah. Like people that are, that know you really well and are comfortable just saying whatever they think to you. Yeah. Yeah, Right. I think, you know, I've been in this spot for six years. You've been in it for longer where we needed to make changes to our diets for health reasons. And I definitely dealt with haters at the beginning. It was my friends, my family. I didn't have coworkers at the time. I was already working for myself, but I dealt with it. And to be honest, I still do sometimes. There are still times when my extended family will question why I can't have something or can I just have it this time or whatever. And I don't even hesitate. And quite honestly, I never have in that six years. As soon as I realized how important it was to my health to not eat those foods and how terrible I felt when I did, that's all I had to say. And that's all I still say is that when I eat that, it makes me sick. Like I can't eat that. I get sick or I don't feel good or it makes me run to the bathroom, whatever. However specific I feel like being for the day, (laughs) that's it. And I really think when you approach it that way, and it's not saying like, I can't, I'm on a diet or I'm trying to lose weight or I only have five more pounds to lose and that makes me gain weight. Nothing like that because that will just perpetuate this like nagging. It's got to be from a place of that makes me feel like crap and I don't want to feel like crap. (laughs) That's totally what I've learned too. It's like you have to tell them something indisputable. So, you know, I always like, I chuckle a little bit to keep things lighthearted. I look them dead in the eye and I say, because it makes me feel like shit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, smile and leave some space and no one can dispute that. And usually no one has anything to say after that. Yeah, like how do you say that? Well, well, then just eat it anyway. No, no way. You don't want anybody to feel like crap. So yeah, I think... It's a little bit hard in the keto space for sure because most people at this point know keto. And so if you say, oh, I'm keto, I don't eat that, then you're just priming yourself to get more hate. But if you don't even go there, don't label anything. It's not about the label. It's about what's working for you and not working for you. Those foods don't work for you. And I will say one other thing is those people, especially the coworkers for some reason, those people that are nagging you, it's because they know they also need to make a health change. Totally. And they're like jealous or just feeling something like they should be doing that too. So instead, they're just going to make you feel bad about your choices. Right. I know this exactly like this type of thing happens when somebody or a group feels guilty deep down inside about their choice. And you are inadvertently rubbing that in their face by making the choice that they wish they would have made. So, you know, if you kind of put themselves in your shoes, their subconscious is trying to fix that icky feeling by trying to get you to partake in what they're doing too. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, so when you when you know that, then it's like, well, I'm just not even going to go there. Yeah, like, it doesn't even matter. It's You're not personal. To make me feel bad for your own reasons. Just brush it off. And like the worst thing you can do is try to educate somebody why donuts aren't a great choice or why you eat the way you do. They don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. They're not there to hear it. Just tell them you don't want it. It's yeah. that easy. Yeah. All right. I love this next question from Hillary. What are great exercise alternatives for heavy lifting when you don't have a gym? which there were actually several people who also wanted to know the answer to this question because you know I talk about needing to build muscle in pretty much every episode. And I talk about going to the gym. I talk about how you should go to the gym. But a lot of you don't have access to one or can't afford one. There's not a good one locally, lots of different reasons. So it is really important to talk about the other things that you can do. Now, you can have great 
awesome, really good muscle building workouts at home. If you have the ability to invest in a little bit of equipment, that would be great. If you can't, that's also fine. But if you can, I'd say bands are a really good place to start and you can get some for really, really low prices. So you're not really investing that much money. Dumbbells would be great. Kettlebells would be awesome. You can even find some TRX type straps to do some at-home stuff too. Well, Hillary sounds like Hillary's interested in heavy lifting, mm-hmm. right? But the cool thing about bands, even though they're they don't look amazing, is that you can make the the resistance as hard as you want, and they can be hard, really, really hard, almost impossible. Don't downplay the band. Yes, bands are awesome. They're one of my favorite tools to use for at-home workouts. And keep in mind, I spent two and a half years as a personal trainer going to clients' homes, training them in their home and having all the equipment I used for all of my clients in the back of my car. So guess what we used? Bands. (laughs) We also used kettlebells. And another thing, if you want heavy lifting, yes, you will have only a certain amount of weight that you can get. You'll have maybe a light one and a heavy one. But you can do things very differently. You can do one-legged, one arm. You can do high rep. There's a lot of different ways that you can make it so that it's very hard, even if you only have the one or two levels, I guess, available to you. And you know what's even cheaper than a kettlebell? A jug of cat litter. Ah, that's true. 25 pounds and it has a nice little handle. You get a couple of those. You can do farmer carries. You You can get creative with cat litter. Yeah, I mean... There are all kinds of things that you can do at home. It does take a little bit of creativity if you don't have any equipment. There is a really good app. It's the Nike Training Club app, and it has awesome workouts if you do have, say, just kettlebells or just free weights. Maybe you don't have any equipment. It has really, really good workouts for that, too, that I have done multiple times. It's what I do when when I'm traveling awesome workouts that will definitely be muscle building. I have an at-home workout program too that I created. It's called Health and Strength. You can find it over on my website. I'll link to it here too. But it is just bands and dumbbells. So you're looking at maybe $70 all in in order to get an at-home workout program. Really good for those that are just beginning or need to modify based on their health right now or you know, it's been a while since they've worked out, they've got some joint pain, that kind of stuff. So that's available to you. But please don't think that you have to be in a gym to build muscle and to lift heavy. Also, you can get outside, do stuff outside, hang from a tree, try to do a pull up, just hang there. That's Walk really up a hill. Too. Uh, yeah. Hiking, I think is one of the best like, man, that is a muscle burn if I've ever felt one just like giant steps all the way up a mountain. It's pretty hard. It's very hard. Well, I I think we should not underestimate body weight exercises, you know, just moving your carcass. It weighs a lot. So, (laughs) I mean, if if something feels easy, go slow, like try to do some squats and try to do it so that it takes you 30 or more seconds to get down. I guarantee it will burn and you will build some muscle. Everyone's goal today is to now use the word carcass. (laughs) Just casually throwing that in like you use that word every day there, Kristen. It's a cool word. It is a cool word, I guess, kind of. Yeah, but I think there are some really, really awesome things out there to use. Please don't 
feel like you can't do anything just because you don't have a gym, get creative. It's really actually fun. And it's obviously super convenient. You can just go down to your basement or in your kitchen. That's where I used to work out for 20 minutes and get this awesome workout. It makes it much more doable. Before we move on, let me take just a moment to shine the spotlight on another brand I adore that has partnered with the Keto for Women show. Four Sigmatic is the go-to authority in all things magic mushrooms. They believe in the real power of using functional mushrooms, such as lion's mane, chaga, and cordyceps, to enhance people's lives and health, and they've done so through products we're consuming every day, like coffee, tea, elixirs, cocoa, all the good stuff. I have to admit, I was skeptical when I first heard of Four Sigmatic and the mushroom coffees, but I tried out their products anyway because I was also very curious, as I'm sure most of you are, as to the power of these little mushrooms. After just one packet of the mushroom coffee with lion's mane, I immediately understood the power of these mushrooms. I had a different kind of energy, focus, and clarity that I had ever had before with traditional coffees. It wasn't from the caffeine either. It wasn't jittery. I wasn't lightheaded or anxious like I usually get with caffeine. It was a sustained, gentle energy that lasted most of the day. Since that time and me finding that source of energy that I've always wanted but could never get with traditional caffeine, it is now the only caffeinated beverage I will drink. You may already know this about me, but I do not tolerate caffeine at all, and I stay away from it as much as possible because it does give me that anxious, jittery feeling that I don't do well with. But there are times when I just need a little bit of a boost. Either I didn't sleep well the night before, I have something important coming up that day that I need to be really focused on, and this is when I have my Four Sigmatic. Not to mention, it's also super convenient, coming in a tiny little pouch that you just add hot water to and stir. I add coconut cream to mine too and blend it up, and it is an amazing hot beverage that you can take pretty much anywhere with you. Four Sigmatic has also recently come out with a brand new product that I cannot wait to tell you guys about. I've been trying to keep it under wraps for as long as I could because I wanted to make sure it had all the power that I was hoping it would. And now I can talk about it because it's true. They are taking on the beauty and skincare market with their new superfood serum and face mask. That's right. You're now going to put these healing mushrooms on your face. And I have to say they work so well. You all probably also know that I take my natural skincare very seriously, and it does not get more natural than actually being able to eat your skincare, which is exactly what they're doing with this new product line. They recommend ingesting this serum and these masks along with putting them on your skin as the protocol for maximum effect. How cool is that? And I have to say, I've been using these products for a few months now, and my skin has never looked better. It's clearer, it's firmer, there's less fine lines. I don't know how these mushrooms do it, but they really, truly are magical. It also smells really good, it feels really good on, and it absorbs well and quickly. It is awesome under makeup too. It is definitely my new go-to daytime moisturizer. And that says a lot coming from someone like me who really, really cares about what they're putting on their skin. And I also live in a really, really dry climate, which it's hard to find things that actually work here in Colorado. And this stuff is it. 
Whether you're into coffee, tea, elixirs, or beauty products now, Four Sigmatic has you covered. As a Keto for Women listener, you can stock up on all of these healing magic mushroom products for 15% off. Head to foursigmatic.com slash Sean and use coupon code Sean to get this deal. That's 15% off using code Sean, S-H-A-W-N, at foursigmatic.com slash Sean. You guys are going to love this stuff. All right. Someone wanted to know any fun travel plans coming up soon? What is your ideal vacation? I do not have any travel plans coming up that are really all that major. I actually kind of wiped all my travel plans for the summer clean. So we'll be staying in town. However, the cool thing about living in Colorado is that fun travel can be done by going an hour away. There are some really great places to glamp, which I would like to do. That's a bucket list item is glamping in an awesome like canvas tent under the stars that's on my bucket list, which is a question coming up. But my ideal travel, it, it's always a little different, I guess, depending on where I would go. But the one thing that I think makes my travel the best is to not do what everyone else is doing. (laughs) I really love traveling and acting like I live there. Like, what would I do if I lived there? How would I, my day look? Where would I go? What would I eat? Instead of going to all of the tourist places where it's just crowded and cramped and you can't actually see what you want to see and it's usually hot and it's just not fun and you're hungry and thirsty and everything. (laughs) I have bad experiences. Can you tell? A little bitter. <laughs> what about you? Well, just so happens that next weekend, I'm going to visit grandma in Wichita, Kansas. Ooh, I know. Now that's some great travel. Oh, it's the best. Oh, gosh. Can't wait for that. Yeah, but no, it's good. It's good to see grandma. She's killing it at 88. So love that. Yeah, good for yeah. her. I mean, in terms of my ideal vacation, I think any beach vacation, preferably like a really crystal clear warm caribbean type water but living in a landlocked state you just really crave water yes waves water ocean just Mm -hmm. all of that experience is so appealing all the time yeah so plot me on a beach i'll be fine the only thing is that i don't love sand yeah i think it's it's very hard to have sand all over you for that period of time but other than that i love the beach yeah you just hope that you go to a place where they have those little shower things yes ideal and then you have to figure out how to take your flip-flops off and then put them back on without touching your foot down. (laughs) That's a great exfoliation though, let's be honest. True. All right, let's move on to Stephanie. How often do you grocery shop? What are your weekly staples? I have to admit, and if you follow me on Instagram and my stories, you probably know this, I grocery shop way too much. I'm at the grocery store like almost every day. It's partially because I love it there and I think it's really fun. It's also kind of, I think, a little bit part of this whole like intuitive eating thing that I do, which is that I just don't know what I'm going to want all week. Like I can only foresee a day or two in the future. We are so different. (laughs) And then also it's because, yeah, I just don't plan. I just want something that day. So I go get the food to make it. It's great. It's very fresh that way. So you're saying you go five to seven days (laughs) a week to the grocery store. No, I don't. I probably go three or four. Uh, that's a, a lot. lot. Yeah, it's a lot. But I will get you know, my staples are always avocado oil so I can make mayo. 
eggs so I can make mayo and things also to, eggs. Things to dip in your mayo? Yes. Things to dip in my mayo, <laughs> which always include roasted vegetables of some sort. So I always kind of try to vary the vegetables I get. I'll just pick two or three that I know would be good roasted and go through those. I just have to have roasted veggies on hand pretty much all the time. I get sweet potatoes, greens, of course. I have a salad pretty much every day. And then depending on what sounds good to put on my salad for the those few days, I'll pick up some of that. Always have chocolate, of course. We just talked about that. Although I was on hiatus and didn't buy chocolate for like six weeks, that was weird. Saved on my grocery bill. And I always have plantain chips because they're my fave. I'm a little more simplistic maybe than you, but I don't like cooking. You like to cook. Yeah, right. I think that's probably the biggest difference in how we approach this is because I think the whole process of making food is fun, including going to the store to get stuff. I mean, I love going to the store. It's one of my favorite things to just meander through a grocery store, but I'm way more planned out than you, or I prefer to be when I'm not super busy. So it's like, I'm the one that I'll batch cook on a Sunday and have all my meals prepared or like packaged away. But yeah, I mean, I'm the same. It's a meat, some sort of protein, some sort of arrangement of vegetables. And that's about it. Yeah, pretty basic. But that's kind of how it is when you eat real food. There's just not all that much fun stuff to get. You just kind of go around and get your staples and call it a day. And then the real fun comes in how you prepare it. I thought you were going to say the real fun is when seasonal things come in to stock. That is fun, actually. (laughs) Yes, I agree. All right. Next, do you work with the Enneagram or any other personality tests in your coaching? Ooh, I love this. This is all up Kristen's alley. (laughs) She loves personality tests. Sure do. Well, I I love the Enneagram. Yes. That's my favorite for yeah. sure. Do you use it in your practice? I sure do. I use that and I use Gretchen Rubin's Four Tendencies yes. quiz as well. So I think those two are the best at, I think they're the most accurate. I think the Enneagram is the most accurate personality test. And it gives me a ton of insight into how someone works. Mm-hmm. in their in their mind. So then you can you can tailor your coaching in a way that will resonate with them. So you get Yeah, well I think results. one of the best things about your style to business coaching is that you really base your coaching on how the person is, like their personality, how they act, what they see as important, how they want their life to look. It's not just about do these things in order to create a business. It's like create the business around you and what kind of person you are and want to be. So you kind of need to know the personality in order to do that. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, I want my clients to be successful. That's what they're coming to me for is to achieve something and I want them to achieve it. And if I'm not customizing whatever I'm giving them in a way that that makes sense to them, they're less likely to follow through. They're less likely to create better habits or put, you know, plans into place that they'll follow through with. So, you know, why not? Why wouldn't you want to customize your coaching to someone? Yeah. And I think it really, it could also be really beneficial for nutrition or health-based practices too. So these types of personalities, it's 
will all determine how they respond to your protocols and your advice. And it will give you insight as to why they can or can't make the changes that you're requesting. And it just really will give a lot of insight. I personally don't use it because I don't work one-on-one with people anymore. So it's a lot harder in groups to be able to do that. But I really see the value in it. And I personally have taken the Enneagram, which if you don't know what we're talking about, you can go look it up. Did they just, is it just Enneagram.com? Oof, I don't know. We'll have to look Google up the website. It. We'll Google it. it it's E-N-N-E-A-Gram. G-R-A-M. What's your number? I'm a nine. A nine. What are you? I'm a six. Oh, interesting. Tried and true. Uh, nines evolve into sixes. That's and I, what I heard. Oh, yeah. So I might evolve into you. What does it may does a six devolve into a nine? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. So, uh, there there's nine personality types in the Enneagram. So you'll you can Google it and read it about it. But yeah, there's tons of really good information and I think it's like fifteen dollars to take the test. Like twelve. So really worth it. You know what I think is most helpful is in relationships to know what your partner is and to learn a little bit more about why they do the things they do. It's not like they're trying to make you mad or frustrated or annoyed. That's their personality. So if you can understand that and learn how to respond to it, and then also understand how you act in relationships and why, it's so helpful. Yeah, I've had my whole family take it. And it's really helped with our family dynamic and understanding why mom is this way and dad's this way, Mm -hmm. you know. And so yeah, I think it's fascinating. And I, I totally agree with you. I think any kind of service provider, nutritionist, practitioner of any kind, if you can work this into your practice, I think it would be very helpful for your clients. Love it. Please go check it out. Just Google that because we don't know anything more about it (laughs) besides that. So Sean, Uh, yes, I have a random one for you. This is from Ashley. How do you feel about skydiving? I hate the idea of skydiving. (laughs) (laughs) However, I feel like I could maybe someday be talked into it Maybe if it's somewhere cool. I don't think that Colorado is cool enough to skydive from. I want it to be somewhere like islandy or something where you can see ocean because you're way up high. I could potentially someday, maybe. I don't like heights. I'm afraid of heights. So that would really be a hard thing to swallow. And I would just have to kind of like not think about it and just be like, fine, let's do it. Sign me up. Put me up there. I'll just not even think about what's about to happen. Okay, it's on the record now. I know. So if anybody has any... everybody to know. If anyone has any recommendations of places to go skydiving or you own a plane that Sean can jump out of, Ah. let us know. Give me like five years prep time. Oh. Three years. What are you prepping? How are you prepping for this? (laughs) I'm mentally preparing to not be scared. Eh. What about you? I know you've done it a few times. I have. I absolutely love it. I would do it more if it wasn't so expensive. And where did you do it? I did it here in Boulder. Well, Longmont. Was it pretty? Yeah, it was super pretty. You could see the mountains. You could see Continental Divide. Mm-hmm. It was good. Yeah, I think it's great. But I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie. So. Yeah, I'm not at all. If The less adrenaline in my life, the better. <laughs> yeah, your adrenals. <laughs> exactly. All right, here's a good one that I like. What do you do for self-care? What do you do? Because you're pretty good at this. I'm very good at self-care. I have never, ever been good at self-care until I had to. And I really got to a point where if I didn't start taking care of myself, I was never going to live my life again. So it became 
like a duty almost, which is kind of, I think, one of the things that people see about self-care is it still has this froofy, fluffy connotation to it. So it's like, oh, I'm doing some self-care. I'm going to go get like, a manicure. Like it's optional. Yeah. And yeah. it's not that way at all. I wish it were more of this like medical term or something because it is truly that important to how we live and to making sure that we stay healthy for as long as possible. So I do all kinds of things. It's actually a little bit different every day. Sometimes it is like going to the grocery store and just meandering and seeing what's new. Sometimes it's going for a walk, going to yoga, meditation, taking a bath. Cooking is one of my favorite forms of self-care, not only because I'm providing nourishment to myself, but it's a very relaxing place for me to be. I feel like in my element when I'm chopping vegetables and you know, whipping something up in the kitchen. So I think that's one of the things I do almost every day that I find to be self-caring. Sometimes it's just listening to music. And even if it's like cleaning or something, making that a little bit better by putting on my favorite music or having my favorite snack out to munch on while I'm cleaning, something like that. So yeah, all kinds of different things up in here pretty much on a daily basis. I just kind of come up with it as I go. Yeah. Well, I would have to say that choosing to eat healthy is a form of self-care. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? Prioritizing sleep. Yes. I think I we're both we're both pretty good at that. For me, it's I'll call it recreational movement. So we're not talking like because I can get kind of competitive with myself in the gym or even running and hiking. So this is like hiking without my Garmin, mm-hmm. timing myself, like mm-hmm. just a leisurely hike where I'm like observing nature and, you know, whatever smelling the fresh air. I really think that nature is the best form of self-care. Oh my God. It's like naturally built in or something like for everybody. It's just everybody feels better once they go out in nature for a bit. The hard part is a lot of us don't even realize that and we all keep our head down while we're on a walk or be so plugged into the Keto for Women show that we forget to look around or take out our earbuds and listen to the birds or the stream or something like that. And it's like The full sensory experience is, I think, what makes it so therapeutic. And I think a lot of us miss it when we aren't fully tapped into it. So you don't have to be on a hike or a run or anything like that. Just go out into your backyard and put your feet in the grass Mm -hmm. for five minutes a day. Mm -hmm. You're good about going to acupuncture pretty regularly. Yes, that is a really important form of self-care for me. Massage? Massage, yes. I'm doing some other physical therapy things right now, too. That's really important for just my physical, literally, health, but also that feeds into this emotional health. One thing when you said choosing to eat healthy that I thought of is also allowing yourself to not always eat healthy, I think is a form of self-care in a way. Instead of being on this rigid diet all the time and allowing this kind of intuitiveness to flow and to be okay with occasionally having an extra snack or a treat or something you wouldn't normally have and choosing to do that from a good place where you're not obsessively thinking about it or feeling bad about it and just enjoying it fully 100% in the moment, have that dessert and enjoy every bit of it. That's self-care too. Well, I think you can have a treat, but it doesn't have to be like a donut. You know? Well, yeah, like, of course. I mean, unless the donut is like your thing. If donuts are just like the jam for you and you occasionally have one because it feels like a really amazing thing, like your level of happiness skyrockets after that donut... 
maybe it is sure okay but to, it each, could, to each their own but you're right this is kind of getting nuancy but there's mental self-care and there's physical mm-hmm. self-care so you might not be physically caring when you eat a donut like your body might not be great about like for you that. might not love it but, but mentally, mentally you're happy as could be happy as a clam as i like to say <laughs> so yeah i think that's really important the getting out of the rigidity could be a form of self-care too there's so many they just keep coming up too All right. I think we have time for one last fun question to wrap up this 100th episode celebration. Let's do this one. The top five things on your bucket list that aren't work related. Oof. Yeah, this is a hard one. I don't, I'm not a kind of person that has an actual bucket list written down like somewhere secret where they check things off the list as they go. I'm not really that But I do have some things that I really want to make sure I do sometime in my life. And they're all pretty much vacation travel related because that's just kind of what I think about in terms of life. I want to travel a lot to these really awesome places. One of the ones that I've been wanting to do for so long, it almost happened last year and didn't, is renting a houseboat on Lake Powell. Why didn't it happen? I don't remember why it didn't happen. I think there was too much travel in a short period of time. Obviously, you want to go at the best peak of the summer if you're living on a houseboat, and it just wasn't available. So it didn't happen. It's sad. But maybe this year or next year. Yeah, I feel like that's one of those things you have to plan well in advance. Yeah, you do. The other things I want to do, I want to go on a safari. Ooh. I want to go to Iceland to see the stars. Like the... What is it? The Aurora Borealis? exactly. And like stay in one of those see-through tent things. That would be really cool. Non-travel related, because I could just go down the list of all the travel things I want to do, still kind of has to do with travel, which is I want to have a winter home. In a warm place. In a warm place. Yeah, I don't want a winter home in a winter place. I want somewhere to go in the winter. You want to be a snowbird. Yes. An escape. I do not mind snow. I mind cold. <laughs> I like snow. I just don't like the cold that comes with snow. Mm. It hurts. It's painful. Yeah. It was a painful winter. This year? Yes. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Hmm. I don't have a bucket list. Is that weird? I feel like I'm kind of weird that I well, don't have one. Maybe it's just you haven't taken the time to think of one or you just don't want one well okay that's kind of a lie because i used to be a bucket list person and i'm pretty sure i had a google doc with my list that seems more like you and guys like i'm a a major list person and i think that's why i had to let that go because i get massive anxiety when i can't check things off a list and so i had all of these things that i would never get around to and i was just it became anxiety for me yeah and i think too my life is just I don't know, the last five or more years, it's been so random and things have just flowed in such a unique way that I could never have predicted that I feel like, eh, I don't really need a bucket list because things will happen as they happen and I'll go and do things as as I do. I can't even fathom opportunities that are coming my way. Yeah, it is really hard to have these lists roaming around in our heads with the kind of life we lead. What or where do you want to travel or what kind of trips do you want to take? Do you have any places you really want to go? Gosh, not really. I used to. I don't know that I'm much of a traveler. I do like to travel in small doses and I like to see new things, but I don't know. I'm I'm not much of a travel. I don't have that travel bug. You've already been to a lot of places too. 
you've already been to some of my top ones. Switzerland, Australia, New Zealand. You haven't been to New Zealand. No, just Australia. But yeah, I've done a lot of Europe. I lived in Australia. I've done some Central and South America. But yeah, I don't know. I think maybe just right now in my life that travel is not a priority. But one day, it will be. there's a lot of cool places to go see. All right. I guess that will wrap this up. Thank you all so much for participating in this fun, lighthearted episode. I think we needed it to get us back into podcast land. And as I mentioned, the future of Keto for Women will be basically beyond Keto for Women, perhaps. Maybe I should have changed my podcast title. Well, you should have told me that before I did your (laughs) rebrand. Whoops. Too late. No. No. No, we will still obviously be talking about keto. That will be a primary thing here, but it also is taking us as these keto women that we now are, or maybe decided not to be, or maybe we sometimes are and sometimes aren't, all the things that could possibly be going on. And we'll just take it to the next level. High level health. You've got some cool guests lined up. Yeah, I can't wait. So we will see you all next week with another episode. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye.